Hello, 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 and welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. This is episode number 48. It's episode 48. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer. Happy Saturday. We made it to the weekend. What a week it's been. What a week it's been. I feel like we could say that at the end of every week over, I don't know, the last four years, just to pick a random time frame, but especially over the last 10 months living in this pandemic and this quasi lockdown world. But obviously, this was uh, the toughest of tough weeks, the most surreal of surreal weeks, the insurrection at the Capitol. I have a couple thoughts I want to get off my chest, and then we'll get on with the rest of the show and some better things to talk about. First of all, this was always going to be the end of the Trump era, if it was going to end, and it will end on January 20th when Biden gets inaugurated. Trump has never conceded anything in his life. He was accusing Ted Cruz of fraud when he won the Iowa caucus and then accused his dad of murdering JFK. And then Ted Cruz is on the Senate floor objecting to the election results. What a fool. What a sucker. I mean, Trump formed a voter fraud commission to investigate an election that he won in 2016. This ridiculous commission, of course, found nothing because there's never been anything behind Trump's claims of voter fraud. But still, he formed a commission to investigate an election that he won. So that's what we're dealing with here. This was always going to be the end. Tens of millions of people have been told for two months that the election was stolen from him and thus stolen from them. This is what happens when you have two alternate realities, decades of Fox News and the right-wing conspiracy machine, but it's even beyond Fox News at this point. It's beyond Breitbart. It's beyond Daily Caller. It's beyond Ben Shapiro. It's moved to Gab and Parler and these exclusive right-wing social media sites and QAnon. It's gone to that really scary place, and I don't know how we get out of it. You cannot have a functioning democracy if you have two different sets of facts. And as I said, tens of millions of people genuinely believe the election was stolen from them. They identify through Donald Trump. They are isolated. They are alone. And as we live in this world of, again, quasi-lockdown and social isolation, these factors do not help. As people become more detached, they become more mired in conspiracies, and it gets ugly. And we see what we saw on Wednesday at the Capitol. So I will not applaud Mitch McConnell or any of Trump's other enablers who are trying to conveniently wash their hands of him now. I saw Lindsey Graham practice his stand-up routine Wednesday night, just hours after insurrectionists stormed the Capitol looking for him, looking to harm him and Mike Pence and Mitch McConnell and everybody else who didn't object to the election. That's the thing here. Trump put his own enablers at, at risk. And now they're trying to wash their hands of him. Sorry, sorry. Can't do it. You had four years to do it, and now you're doing it now? Mm, no thanks. Resignation not accepted, Betsy DeVos. And the truth is, Mitch McConnell and his cohorts have done more damage to our democracy than Donald Trump or anybody who stormed the Capitol on Wednesday. Just look at the body of the Senate. He's been the majority leader for six years. 
And yet Republicans have represented about 40% of the population. California has the same amount of senators as North Dakota and Wyoming. Democrats have won the popular vote in five of the last six presidential elections. And yet we've had 12 years of Republican rule. How does that happen? It happens due to a rigged system that ironically is not rigged against Trump, but rigged against the Democrats. Conservative-led Supreme Court, Citizens United, gutting the Voting Rights Act. I love that Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, is now held up as this beacon of democracy, and Georgia is this bastion for free elections. If you remember, Brian Kemp purged the voter rolls prior to his gubernatorial race in 2018 against Stacey Abrams. 1.4 million voters were purged from the rolls. Brian Kemp won that election by just 55,000 votes. So when you put it like that, I guess Trump is right to be upset. They know how to throw elections in Georgia. They just didn't throw it for him. (laughs) So I am not here for any of the lauding and applause that, no, Mitch McConnell gets none of my applause. He's been doing a lot of damage to our democracy from the inside for a very long time. That's for sure. And now as we sift through the aftermath of this mess, The biggest story from Wednesday, in my view, is how the hell did this happen? How did these terrorists, yes, terrorists, how were they allowed to enter the Capitol? Why were they allowed to enter the Capitol? We've seen the videos, police opening gates for them, taking selfies with them. The New York Times had a story that Capitol police officers were giving these people directions to Chuck Schumer's office. Like, what's going on here? A police officer was killed in the melee, we find out, and only 14 arrests were made. It's the most obvious statement of all time to say this would be handled differently if these were Black Lives Matter protesters. Police don't get overrun when they don't want to get overrun. And I'll leave it at that. Fortunately, we can hide in our sports cocoon this weekend if we want. We have playoff NFL football coming up, which I always enjoy. For once, it should be a good wildcard weekend with only one team getting the bye. The Browns will play their first playoff game in 18 years Sunday night against the Steelers. Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, won't be on the sidelines. He'll be out due to COVID. That means Mike Prefer, their special teams coordinator, will be the acting head coach. If that name sounds familiar, it's because Mike Prefer is the guy who in 2014 said, or we found out in 2014, he said, that we should, quote, round up all the gays and send them to an island and nuke it until it glows. Chris Cluey, Vikings punter, LGBTQ advocate, was the first one who kind of unearthed that, and there was a long investigation Prefer at first denied making the comments, and then investigation found out that, in fact, he had. The Vikings long snapper also corroborated the the remark. And now he's going to be coaching the Browns on Sunday. Not something you love to see. We talk a lot about the progress that the NFL and these leagues have made with LGBTQ inclusion. I I would like to hear from Mike Prefer before he steps on an NFL sideline Sunday and straps on the headset for playoff game. I'd like to hear him uh, mention that. Does he still think we should round up the gays, send them to an island, nuke them until it glows? I'd like to hear that. But don't let that take away. Should be a good weekend of football nonetheless. Have a good interview coming up as well. Matt Lynch, 
You may know the name. He's made quite a stir. He came out in a coming out essay published with us on OutSports this past April. He was an assistant men's basketball coach at UNC Wilmington. That's D1. He came out as gay. He got a lot of attention, TV spots. He was on the Tamron Hall show, interviewed on radio shows, podcasts. And then at the end of 2020, he was named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list. He joins me on the other side to talk about the whirlwind he's experienced since coming out, the personal growth he's undergone the last several months, and finding his way back to basketball. He's back at UNC Wilmington, but coaching the women. It's a great conversation, and that's coming up on the other side. Matt Lynch, Sports Kiki. Thank you, as always, for listening. And welcome back to the show, the Sports Kiki Podcast. Very excited for the man we have on the phone line right now, as I was uh, saying in the opening, Matt Lynch. He's an outsports linchpin, uh, even though he just published his coming out story with us last year. He's made a lot of noise. He's been on Tamron Hall. He's been on the Forbes 30 Under 30. He came out as he was an assistant coach for UNC Wilmington uh, on the men's team. Now this season, he's back at UNC Wilmington, but he's assistant coach this time for the ladies on the women's team. He has a lot of things to share, and I mentioned looking forward to getting him on here. Uh, Matt, how are you, my friend? Welcome to the show. I'm doing, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, how are you? I'm doing better after my weekly therapy session. It's highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah, I, as we kind of talked a little earlier, <laughs> I need to get get started on some of those myself. So you I know, understand. I was lucky. I started doing it actually at the very start of the pandemic. I was lucky to find somebody who was good and available. And as I was also telling you, it is kind of a right of being a gay man to have a therapist. We all have a lot of issues we need to work out, <laughs> and uh, and it's good to talk. It's good to talk. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I guess the first thing is, Matt, I mean, it's been about a month or so. Forbes 30 under 30 is the paparazzi outside your door every day. I mean, how is it to be with all of these uh, movers and shakers? <laughs> uh, no paparazzi. Oh, um, no, it's, it, was a, it was a great honor. Um, I, was, I was very excited that, uh, that you and uh, OutSports uh, helped provide me with that opportunity. And uh, I was just happy that my story kind of resonated with people and it's, it's been able to help. Uh, yeah, I had know at least a couple of different guys that it's been able to help. And that's been great. And to be honest, I, I never expected to make any noise, let alone this much. So yeah. it's, uh, it's a bit overwhelming at time, but it's, uh, it was a really cool honor and, uh, I'm fired up about it. Yeah, I mean, that was great. Uh, they wanted more LGBTQ inclusion. They had Anya pa- Packer, Natasha Cloud. I'm like, oh, Matt Lynch would be great. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you got that honor. It's a big honor. And, yeah, I mean, so let's just go through your last six, seven months or so. I mean, how's it been since your story has been coming out? You, you mentioned you've made a lot of noise, but just what, is the la- what have the last several months been like for you? Um. You know, from from the coming out standpoint, I, I I remember when I was in the closet, I would hear people who have come out and they would always be like, oh, I just wish I would have done it earlier. Like right. now that I know what I know, like I wish I would have done it earlier. And I was sure I wasn't going to feel that way. Like I was sure that like this was my journey and this was my path and like it was going to take me this long to kind of accept myself and that's the way it was supposed to be. And I was completely wrong. Like I, I get here now and I'm, I'm one of the club and I'm just like, why did I wait 29 years to tell people this? Like, 
you know, why it's, it's really not half a, you know, half as big of a deal as what I was making it at the time in my own head. And so I, I'm, I'm very pleased that I, w- that I did do it. Uh, I wouldn't change a thing about how I did it. Uh, you know, I, I try and credit anytime that anybody talks to me uh, about me and my coming out process, I try and bring up Jim and Outsports and everybody that I've got to meet through that organization just because it, it really is a life-changing uh, organization, and, and all of you guys are just so absolutely amazing yourselves. Oh, thank just, you. Um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't thank you guys enough. And um, it's, it's still a little different of a coming-out process, I would say, just because I came out during the pandemic, and it's obviously still going on. And so I, uh, you know, I, I've still yet to be to like my first gay bar or gay club or, you know, really just a pride or anything like that. Wow. Um, so those will, those will be interesting experiences for sure. Have you tried dating at all? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've gone on dates and, um, I think I'm a, I'm a unique person in a lot of different ways where, I would definitely describe myself as driven. And, um, you know, there's just, I kind of feel mixed about it. Like part of me feels like I missed out on like getting to like run wild because I'm 29, you know, about to turn 30 in 10 days. And, um, you know, so that, that, those thoughts kind of run through my head. And, and then the other part is like, I don't know that I would even want to go run wild and, you know, be in my team the teenage matt lynch it was probably a good thing that he was in the closet and not you know out out and about if that makes sense yeah well i mean gays expire at 35 so the good news is you have five years left (laughs) no it's um perfect that's but i mean that's really interesting and it actually is something i didn't consider because you know i always view coming out as a journey, and you were out for a bit before you were penned your coming out story for us at Outsports. But I mean, I always viewed coming out as a journey. Like, yes, there was me telling my family and friends I'm gay. Then it was me getting into dating, and then you know, Matt, it was a couple years really before I started going to gay clubs or even really pursuing gay friends. And I got gay friends from playing in gay rec sports leagues around here. In Boston, yeah. that's kind of how I start in the community. But yeah, I, I guess my point is I hadn't considered that about now you're you're out to everybody. You have nothing more to hide. You're ready to run rampant on the world, and the world is shut down. Um, so correct. I don't know, but it's yeah. um. But I mean, what kind of growth? But if you're to look back at the Matt Lynch who wrote the coming out story that we published in early April to the Matt Lynch now, what are, what do you think some of the biggest differences are? Pandemic aside, uh, after being out for yeah. you know eight nine months now yeah so all of my friends my family will say that there's this newfound confidence that I have this uh just this light about me that when I I kind of walk into a room and I just I can I lift the mood of the entire room like that was a direct quote of what my sister told me just a couple weeks ago but from a from a personal standpoint I just feel happy you know it's just it's just different this time around. It's uh, it, I'm doing exactly what I was doing last year at this time. You know, I'm I'm working my butt off at coaching and building relationships with young people, and you know, I I absolutely love it. 
I guess, and, and I'm still coming home, you know, I'm getting up early and I'm coming home late and there's not really much of a social life. And so none of that has changed. I guess just the difference is kind of like on the inside, there's just more joy. And yeah. uh, I got that from probably from my father and that's kind of how he lived his life. And it's just, uh, I'm, I'm just happier, I guess. I, I'm able to breathe and exhale is probably the right way to put it. And how many people in your life knew you were gay before you wrote the coming out story for us? Uh, my family knew. Um, outside of them, you know, really close friends knew. I, I would say probably five, maybe in between five and ten. But, you know, very few people, to be honest. But you were you out to your team? No. No. Okay. No, I, I, no, I was out to one coach on the staff. Right. Exactly. Who was one of my best friends. Right. Yeah, but but it was a like th- when I first came out via the article, like ninety five, ninety eight percent of the people in my life that was the first time they were hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. And the reception was all positive. Um, and... Yeah. Lots of questions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Lots of questions. I mean, even from some of the some of the guys that I was coaching, it was like, well, you know, how do you how do you turn gay? And, you know, it's <laughs> you don't turn gay. Right, like, right. it's not like, like this is they're like, well, you just you, you would talk about girls before with us. And I was like, yeah, I was lying. Like, that was <sighs> just I was trying to, you know, mask it. And uh, they were like, but you just you don't seem, quote unquote, that way. And I'm like, well, that's that's part of what I'm trying to help fix is that, you know, a gay person doesn't seem whatever way. That's just a, you know, it's a part of a human being. It's not the whole, you know, the whole deal. And so there's, there's plenty of teaching opportunities that have come out of this. And, uh, you know, plenty of them I've started to apologize as, Oh, I'm so sorry for, you know, saying gay or the, you know, any type of homophobic slur and it was never used in a derogatory way it was just you know uh locker room banter if you want to call it that it was just never you know uh that's i i hate that show that show's gay you know it was just off the cuff nothing ever you know said to someone um but still they need to understand the importance of you know words hurt people so yeah, and, and I mean, to reread your story, one line struck out to me where you write, I don't know why I assumed being gay was wrong. Um, did you maybe assume being, now that you look back on it, you know, the casual homophobia, do you think that impacted it? Or like, how did you feel when you heard those words thrown around? To be honest, words words have never really bothered me. Um, I, I could hear homo or gay or, you know, fag or anything like that. And it just, it really wouldn't phase me because I was, I was brought up in such a light that, you know, we were taught to let things roll off our shoulders and, you know, pay attention to, you know, find the, find the positive, find the joy in everything you do. And so that, that really never bothered me. I, but for whatever reason I had this, I still have this self internalized homophobia at times of like, even now I'll just, catch myself like overthinking about you know my mannerisms or Mm -hmm. how i'm talking or what i'm talking about and i i don't know where that came from you know i i've got a loving family 
I've got great siblings. You know, my parents are amazing. They're, they're my best friends. Um, I, I really don't understand how I created that really in my own head, but it is there. And, you know, we were talking therapy, like that's <laughs> what I want to go talk out. I want to talk to somebody that is a professional and knows more than I do. Yeah, I mean, for me, when I first came out, I'll never forget it. It's a scene that makes me, like, shudder now. Um, my first boyfriend, I was, it was the spring of my junior year of college, and we went to a party with some of his friends, and he was out, but he was more comfortable with being gay at that point. He had been out for longer than I was, etc. And a few of his friends were rather flamboyant, and I remember acting kind of standoffish to them at the time and now I shudder to think that way and as I you know get ready to put on my eyeliner you know back when we could go out and stuff um you know I, I I've changed a lot is what I'm saying over the last seven years yeah and it, it just takes time to get comfortable with a saying I'm gay and now the world knows to uh you know to building on that and continuing on your evolution I think yeah. so I, well, I wouldn't beat myself that, yeah, up that over be- that too much yet is, is I guess my my point yeah, that that all makes perfect sense. And I luckily I have some some great friends that are gay. And like there's there's one guy in, in particular. Uh, I've known him since I was in college. Uh, he's become a great buddy and great resource of mine. And like I, as I said, I've gone on a couple of dates. I would call him afterwards and he'd oh, how he's so excited for me. You know, yeah. how to go, blah, blah, blah. What did this, what that? And like he he's taught me so much about, you know, I, I I don't know how to date. Like, I don't know how, I knew how to be in a relationship with a girl and pretend, you know, but now that it's like the real thing, I don't know how to like communicate or like keep it serious or like keep the main thing, the main thing. And he, he'll be great. He'll just like call me on my bullshit a little bit. And he'll be like, Matt, like you are setting this poor guy up for like these impossible games and barriers in your head that like you, he, he doesn't even know what he's up against. He's like, you know, this is the, this is the second date. This is the second week you've been talking. Like you've got to calm down. And like, you know, I'm just, I, I don't know what I don't know. And so yeah. I'm, I'm learning and it'll be a, it'll be a process. Sounds like you have a good therapist already and your friend. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> I got to start paying him, Venmoing uh, him. <laughs> That's um. So how did how did you wind up telling your team, uh, the men's team at, at UNC Wilmington last year? Um, I ha- was able to call or speak to in person uh, a few of them, and the reason I wasn't able to get to the whole team right. is when we went up to the conference tournament in DC. We played a game. We we lost. We got eliminated, and on the bus ride home, we got a phone call that one of the officials that officiated our game had tested positive for coronavirus. So we then had to all quarantine. And the article didn't come out long after that. And so I was only able to, guys went home or guys, you know, guys guys were on vacation. It was spring break here. And so I was only to grab a few of them. And so the ones that I was able to tell in person, uh, they reacted well. And then the rest of them kind of found out through the article and I had to call them and everybody was, re- was receptive. Um, it took some guys longer than others. You know, they all ask questions in their own way. Uh, the questions always make me laugh, but I, that's fine. I, they don't bother me. Nobody's more, more curious about gay men and gay sex than straight guys. It really is unbelievable. <laughs> 
It's what, it's yeah, what, it's, yeah. it's, it's what I've encountered. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Um, so another big point in your coming out story that I that resonated with me was this notion of getting buried in your work. You talk about how, as a coach, you're moving all around uh, to Miami of Ohio, then to Youngstown State, then finally to UNC Wilmington. And, you know, when I was closeted and even just coming out, I buried myself in my career as well. It was my aspiring career as a broadcaster and journalist, and I did all these internships and blogged and podcasted and really just buried myself so much in my work, and I didn't have a personal life because I didn't give myself space to have one. I'm wondering now, after publicly coming out, you were let go from the men's team as well at UNC Wilmington, along with the entire staff. Uh, we'll talk about you re- you landing back at the school in a minute, but first, I just I'm curious if has your perspective on work changed given what you've been through the last number of months? Um, I, I wouldn't say it's changed. I said I, I would say that there was. I, I feel like when I when I was let go and I had just come out here at UNCW, I feel like I was granted with uh, a six month sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was an amazing six months. And I, you know, best unemployed six months anybody could ever have. Because in that time, all I did was work out two times a day and go to the beach. And so I got myself into unbelievable shape. And I had the best tan of all time. And like, I felt like, I started to gain confidence in the way that I looked, which was always a something I I always hated having my picture taken Hmm. because I never felt good about the way that I looked. And and I really never knew why. And now I'm, you know, I was going working out, kind of starting to see my abs form, like my my arms are popping. I'm feeling all good about it. Um, And through that, that gave me self-confidence. And then when I was brought back to UNC Wilmington to kind of after the six months ended and I was like, okay, I really do, you know, the summer is over with, I have to go get a job again. When I was, when I was kind of brought back, there was almost this positive, but this internal pressure that like, okay, I've come out. um, This thing has been made a bigger deal than I could have ever dreamed it to be. Uh, You know, people asking me to be on their podcast and, uh, (laughs) speak on a TV show and, you know, write another article or, you know, a follow-up article or, you know, do whatever, you know, do little uh, Zoom sessions, whether it's with, you know, a big group there or a group here at UNCW speaking to students, whatever. It's like, I kind of started to get this pressure of, okay, like Matt, you've, you've now made this big deal about like, you're this basketball coach who's come out and like people are, kind of starting to pay attention to you like you better not screw this thing up like you better be a good basketball coach like because you know you've you've created this image or name or however you want me to frame it and you just you better live up to it and so it's been it's been challenging at times it's like you know I really want to succeed not only just because of the internal drive I have of wanting to be successful but also because if I'm not successful, like I I wanted to, I did all of this to be visible. And now that I'm visible, I want to help create the opportunity for people to follow behind me and understand there's nothing wrong with being gay 
and coaching, uh, you know, basketball, nothing wrong with being in a men's sport, women's sport, doesn't matter. Like who you put your head down next to at night doesn't determine your ability to coach or lead a group of young people. And so I'm just kind of, I still have that drive that I, I guess I, I feel is almost like I have to turn it up a notch. You're telling yourself that though, right? That that's an entirely yeah. self yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 For um, sure. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, that, that was another question I wanted to ask you. Um, you also said in your piece, it's not about eliminating the, clo- it's not about coming out of the closet. It's about eliminating the closet. And, um, have you been in contact with other gay coaches in basketball or other sports since, since the piece ran? Yeah. 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 Um, there was plenty of emails, text messages, um, of people kind of like telling me their stories and everywhere from high school coaches to, uh, you know, division one guys to NBA guys. And, um, really cool to hear all of their stories. And then even within that, like some of those guys were in different, uh, stages of their journey, of their path, of their coming out process. And so like, you know, I remember specifically there was one guy that, that he wanted to see, if I could like start a group text with all of the basketball coaches that, you know, identified as gay. And I, I, I kind of had to try and break it down to him that like, Hey, like you're not comfortable coming out. Like these guys aren't going to be comfortable with me sharing their names with you. Like that's just, that's not a feasible idea right now. I understand what he was trying to do, but it's just for the, for everybody's own personal life security. Like that's not my, job to you know create those avenues i just try and be there for everybody personally yeah absolutely absolutely but it's uh it must have felt good to hear from so many people um in the basketball world definitely and i I, yeah yeah it it makes it's it was surprising like it, it showed me that you know i'm not alone and that there's a lot more people out there like me than i probably ever expected do you think you're uh, – what's the difference between you as a coach now opposed to when you were closeted? Or is there not a difference, you think? Uh, there's a lot more joy. There's definitely just a lot more joy in my everyday. You know, whether we are driving on the bus for six hours or practicing or in film, like I'm just – I just am finding the, the better parts of positivity and – the good part of life to point out. And, uh, I just enjoy every single minute more. And, uh, which is crazy to think about. I'm still ultra competitive. Uh, I still want to win, but I, I understand even better than I did before the value of people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care type of thing. And what's it been like coaching this year in the midst of everything going on? It's, it's different. It's, it's very different. No fans. Uh, if there's one thing about UNCW and Wilmington, uh, North Carolina, we have an unbelievable community. And so, I mean, we were playing in front of three, 4,000 people every day. And those people infuse you with adrenaline and, you know, effort at times. And so now it's a lot different. Now there's, you know, under 100 people in the gym. And uh, so you have to kind of create your own energy. And so that part is tough. Uh, we get we get COVID tested three times a week, um, you know, and I, it's pre- it's just become pretty routine. Uh, you have to have mask on, you know, all times. And I'm I've kind of not only coaching, but I've kind of become a 
practice player with within the women's program. So I'm practicing two hours a day. And uh, so putting a mask on and trying to practice, the, the, the kids, the players aren't required to wear a mask during practice, but I still try and keep mine on uh, unless, you know, it gets to the point that I'm so winded I have to take it off. But just just to protect them. But it's a uh, it's it's different. We're not going out to eat. We're you know we're picking up stuff and taking it back to our rooms at the hotel and having Zoom meetings instead of team meetings. And you know it's we're we're trying to roll with the punches as best we can. But it's uh, every day is going to bring a a new challenge or you know something that you weren't ready for. And you just have to be able to think on your feet and make the best of it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask, what is the most challenging? I mean, it sounds all very challenging, but what is the most challenging part of being a coach during this time of social? Like, are you allowed to even hang out with, or t- are the players allowed to hang out with each other in their rooms, or is it separate? Or like, what are the? Yeah, we we kind of tell them to stay. Kind of, we create our team bubble. Okay, and we recommend that they stay within you know if if one player wants to go to another player's apartment fine or dorm room fine no no big deal uh just because they are the ones that are always getting tested you know but i I would definitely say the hardest part is these college kids aren't getting the experience of a normal ish even pandemic wise college kids like if you're going to be a division one athlete or really play college athlete right now you're going to have to choose to eliminate your social life. And that's, that's really, really tough. And and I try and put myself into their shoes of like, you know, Halloween comes rolling around and there's still parties going on and costume parties. Of course. And you can still go to the bars and especially in Wilmington where it's pretty nice weather, you know, there's a lot of outdoor deals that you can go and like the kids can't go. And that's, that's really tough for a, uh, 18 to 22 year old to have to sit at the house and get on Instagram and Snapchat and see all your friends out. And yeah, it's just, I I feel for them. I I would definitely say that, you know, the elimination of the quote unquote college experience is, is the hardest part for them. Yeah. That that's incredible. These must be some really strong willed uh, women you have under you. uh, Cause that's quite a sacrifice. Yeah. We got a great team. Great team for sure. Yeah, and you're heading down to James Madison this weekend, a seven-hour bus trip away to. So, so uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Yes, uh, Matt Lynch, he is the assistant basketball coach for UNC Wilmington, the women's team. He came out uh, on Out Sports this past April. Uh, Matt, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, man. Great to catch up. No, thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. Uh, Matt was great, wasn't he? Awesome. Uh, great when people come on and are just really honest, right? I mean, that makes for the best shows, the best interviews. So Matt Lynch, give him a follow. Uh, Great to have him on the show. I say it every week and I mean it. Hit me up on Twitter, at AlexReamer1 is my username. Again, is at AlexReamer1, against my better judgment. My DMs are open. Drop me a line. Let me know how you are, how you feeling. Thoughts on the show. Always like uh, hearing all that stuff. Thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.